This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. some other people that could have really been bitter you know people every time you talk to them they want to bring this up again this bitterness and this misery and now they're making you miserable and everybody around them are miserable and now you know we well, let's not go over there because all they're going to talk about is the same old Warren wasn't like that at all he enjoyed life he enjoyed himself but deep down there was an unbelievable motivation you had a guy that people said could not play quarterback in the NFL. And here he made the Hall of Fame. You're gonna be a football player when you go Today is the best day of your life. Believe it. He might be the finest quarterback produced in the last 10 years. He's a like that's all I need. Fortunately for me, I didn't lose my life, didn't lose my job. Football convinced me that life is a team game. Rest of your life, nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it. We're gonna take a cup and a half of flour. I want you to put it in that big bowl over there. See if you can crack it a little bit and then just separate it with your fingers inside here. There you go. You got it. I grew up in Los Angeles, California in a peaceful neighborhood. It was kind of mixed between blacks and whites. I felt pretty safe there. Although, a few blocks away, it got a little bit rough. Didn't know a whole lot about my dad. The things I do remember, he was a very good cook, and I'm think, I think that's part of the reason why I like to get in the kitchen. And I always remembered, uh, he's just a very funny guy. He used to always make us laugh and joke and, and love to tickle us. You know, he, he tickled me till sometimes I wanted to pee on myself. <laughs> my dad listened to a lot of jazz. I got to know a lot about Duke Ellington and Nat, and, and Nat King Cole and people like that at a very, very early age. I did listen to some opera. <laughs> I think he just wanted us to be more refined. He wanted us to, to be exposed to as many different things as, as we possibly could at a young age. I always made him think that I was enjoying what I was listening to, but I couldn't wait till it was over. <laughs> I remember I was next door uh, playing at my friend Charles Hatcher's house, and we were playing football, believe it or not. And I remember being called um, by his mom because my mom had called his mom to see if I was over there and uh, to call me home. And um, when I came in the house, my mom sat me down and told me that my, my dad had passed away. 
It was because of sclerosis of the liver. Uh, he basically, you know, drank himself to death. A lot of people told Warren that he had to be the man of the house. And he was just seven years old. And I wish they hadn't have done that. Probably didn't enjoy myself as much as a young kid as I probably should have. I had six sisters at home and my mom, and okay, I am the man of the house, and, and I'm gonna act like the man of the house. And I got to the point where my, my sisters couldn't stand me because I was really acting like the man of the house, like I was their dad. In the Moon household, there wasn't much time to be a kid. The exception for young Warren was organized football, to which he brought a live arm and an old soul. He was always much more mature than the other kids that he played with. And in fact, the kids referred to him as Pops. I was known as Pops in, in junior high school. I was known as Pops in high school. We gave him the nickname of Daddy Warren because that's how he acted. This nerdy kind of guy that carried a briefcase when the rest of us had backpacks. I think so. You know, I used to bake cookies at night before uh, my football games in high school. You want to put those in there? Yes. Once it got to those last 36 hours before the game, I was ready to play, and I, I got a little bit irritable. My mother, uh, she, she decided, what can I do to calm this boy down before he plays? And, and that's when she started to teach me how to bake and bake cookies. In the kitchen, at quarterback, Moon did things his way. And it wasn't long before the world began to push back. Crenshaw was one of our big rivals, Crenshaw High School. The guy who was in a gang that went to Crenshaw High School came up to me one day and told me that if we won the game that week, that, I would, that they were gonna kill me. I'm in a panic and I'm crying and I'm like, oh my God, they're gonna shoot my boyfriend, they're gonna kill him. He can't, you can't play in this game. What Warren did, he walked over to him, he introduced himself, he shook his hand, and he said, hey man, good luck on the game. And the guy and me were all in shock that he handled it that way. Though the threat to Moon's life never materialized, the threats to his dream persisted. He led his high school to a league title, but was snubbed for a city all-star game at the Rose Bowl. Arizona State offered Moon a spotted quarterback, but rescinded after recruiting two other quarterbacks. Both were white. They decided they wanted to move me to defensive back, and I wasn't gonna have any part of that. I wanted to be a quarterback, and I thought I was good enough to be a quarterback, so I told him I wasn't gonna go there. Moon made a two-year commitment to West Los Angeles, a junior college, in hopes of attracting a big-time school. Had a great first year, and I wanted to leave. My junior college coach didn't want me to leave. He wanted me to stay the two-year commitment. I decided because I had a, a part-time job in the athletic department that I had access to the film library, <laughs> that I would take film out of the library because I had keys to it, and I could send that film off to different schools that I was interested in. They'd send it back to me at my house, and I'd get it back in the library before nobody knew it was gone. <laughs> and it worked to perfection. Moon caught the eye of the University of Washington and its struggling football program. In 1975, he left Los Angeles for Seattle, the beginning of a long journey north. Don't ask.
ask me to change the oil on my car or, or change my spark plugs, but you ask me to make you a meal, I can sew, I can iron, I can clean, I can do whatever it takes inside the house. Warren has to have everything in order. Yeah, that's my he thing. He picks up every, behind you. He doesn't like any clutter. He comes off of a road trip somewhere. He's been gone. And he goes and gets some Windex and starts cleaning. Lemon Pledge. He's cleaning furniture and wiping off windows, uh, tables with glass. And what are you doing? I've never seen anybody do that, Warren. Man, this stuff, man, I got to get this stuff right. Tidy to a fault, mature beyond his years, Warren Moon arrived at the University of Washington and quickly earned a familiar nickname. Daddy Warren. I didn't like to hear his jazz all the time. He told me that one day I'd grow up and understand that jazz is pretty nice. He came in and beat out a quarterback that had been there who was a white guy. And we go six and five, then five and six. He's the quarterback. We're sticking with him because we believed in him. And there were some booze in the stands, a lot of booze. In the 70s, black athletes could play any position except quarterback. People didn't believe Warren was smart enough to play quarterback. It was name calling. It was people calling in to the athletic department to you know, get me, get me replaced. They just didn't want me as their quarterback. Some of his best friends had a couple of fights, like right there next to me, because of some of the ugly things that people would would yell at him and say about him. Away from home for the first time, Moon needed sanctuary. He found it after a chance encounter with a Seattle social worker. The pains came into my life at a very, very uh, sensitive time. I got a chance to meet them because of my roommate. They were friends of his dad's. They came over for dinner. I saw a very tense person. And for some reason, Warren just grew like a magnet towards my husband. He saw a man who took care of his family. He would listen to him. I could lay here for hours. And he would. Watch what she's doing over there. Talk to Willie right there. Her kids were coming in and out of the room. I didn't have to move. <laughs> this was where it all happened, right here. Here, he would face no booze. But it wasn't always easy to speak his mind or bear his soul. I can see something in his face, and I say, come on, let's talk. You know, what is it? You know, and he may say, well, I don't know, I'm okay. What I would do is compartmentalize things and just put them away to another time and keep moving, and that's something that, that uh, helped me, I guess, deal with the situations that I had to deal with. It, that, that's how I dealt with it, by putting it, burying it somewhere, and then just keep moving forward. It was successful for me because I kept getting better, and even though all these things that I had to deal with, I hadn't really dealt with them. As a senior in 1977, Moon led the Huskies to a Pac-8 championship and a berth in the Rose Bowl. He just had this real deep inspiration to prove people wrong, and he had been doing it for so long, it was just, okay, next chapter. I did it in high school, I did it in junior college, I can do it here. Michigan was heavily favored, but Moon was home. My most vivid memory is coming out of the tunnel before the coin toss. 
this beautiful sunny day and everything that I had dreamed that it would be when I was a young kid watching it and seeing it on television, that same type of atmosphere, here I was in it. We were just happy to be in California. Shell, we wanted to go to Disneyland. But we were gonna get creamed. Everybody knew we were gonna get creamed. We started out scoring touchdowns on them just right out of, out of the box. He keeps it. He and Warren's the guy who's doing it. He's put the team on his shoulder and said, this is my crescendo moment right here. I'm leading us to victory. Many of the converted were there, and I could look people in the face and know that they had been a part of the folks who had been very critical. Just to be able to look at them and know that they know that I know, um, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. He endured their barbs. I've taken your criticism, I've taken your hatred, and I've turned it into a success. He's done it all, Kurt. And one day you're going to regret what you said about me. Four years after he wasn't considered an all-star, wasn't invited to play here, Warren Moon was the Rose Bowl's player of the game. To Huskies fans, he was a hero. To the NFL, he was an aberration. Only three African-Americans had made at least five starts at quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Marlon Briscoe, Joe Gilliam, and James Harris. Doug Williams would be taken in the first round of the upcoming 1978 draft, but that was one team, an exception. Moon was subject to the rule. Most teams didn't see an NFL quarterback. He had a couple impediments. Number one, he had played in a rollout offense where he's throwing on the run instead of playing in a straight drop back offense. The second thing was, he was black. There was a general presumption in some quarters that to have a black at that position and as the representative of a team would be awkward as the person that the owner took to the country club. So I went to Warren and asked him if he would consider changing position. And he looked at me with steely eyes and said, Never. I was born to play quarterback. Moon had a choice. Scrape by as a likely late round pick at quarterback, or go somewhere with a better chance to build a career. When he played in the Rose Bowl, that's when I knew that I wanted him in Canada. One person said, do you think Edmonton's ready for a black quarterback? And uh, my reply was, they, they are if we win. I gave up my opportunity to play in the National Football League as far as the draft was concerned by signing in the CFL six weeks prior to the NFL draft. The greatest thing that happened was that no NFL team went ahead and drafted him anyway after he'd signed in Canada and held reserve rights to him, which they would have held forever. If and when Moon returned to the States, he would be a free agent. For now, he was an Edmonton Eskimo. Can we get some Skittles for Skittles it? Skittles for the cookies. We might do a couple with Skittles, okay? Let's call these our Marshawn Lynch Beast Mode Cookie. 
because Marjorie Lynch loves Skittles. Warren Moon had the raw ingredients. In Canada, he'd have the time to turn them into something special. It was just a very refreshing place to play football because whenever you went out on the field, you weren't cringing waiting to see what the reaction was going to be when you went out there. You just ran out there on the field to play. Moon spent six seasons in Edmonton, winning five championships and writing his resume with the lightning in his arm. He became a quarterback who could no longer be ignored. The great cup for the fifth consecutive year will go to Edmonton. Warren Moon chosen the Labatt's outstanding player of the game. Moon dominated the North, but his sights were set south. There was a lot of cold nights where that wind was whistling through those windows and you're wondering why am I up here, <laughs> you know? And I'm watching games sometimes on television and NFL games and wondering why are I out there playing uh, with those guys as opposed to being up here. Moon's chance would come in 1984. At 27, he was about to become a uniquely coveted NFL rookie. At a time the NFL had never experienced free agency. It was a phenomenon, and it was heavily covered in the press. Given the uniqueness of the situation, he's going to receive uh, uh, an enormous contract wherever he goes. It's a big decision. That's why I'm taking my time, and I don't want to rush into anything. It came down to two potential destinations. Seattle, where Moon had settled his family after his days at the University of Washington, and Houston, the Oilers hired someone they hoped would make Warren feel right at home. They went after Warren's old Edmonton coach, Hugh Campbell, and he's the first time in history I've ever seen a team hire a head coach to get a player. There's no other place that he could go where the coach would have as much faith in him. I'll also play on his conscience all I can. And... <laughs> the news trucks were all outside waiting to see what my decision was going to be, and and they had it on live on television. It felt like LeBron James at, at one point. With a massive group of television cameras waiting for him to declare he was coming to Seattle and face them and tell them he was going to Houston. It's a, a family decision we had to make and, and a business decision we had to make. And He was the first truly great unrestricted NFL free agent, and he signed what was the largest contract in history. The question now is, can Moon's play live up to his $6 million hype? This is the biggest thing to hit our row since Dave Casper practiced last year. Over there is uh, number one, a guy named uh, Warren Moon. This may be a silly question, but here's a guy that's got a bigger contract than you, and a lot of people are going to be paying attention to him. you see any jealousy down the road? I'm not going to be upset. I, don't, I get paid for, you know, scoring first downs and touchdowns. And by me being around one moon, it's not going to hurt me one bit. In 1984, veteran running back Earl Campbell was supplanted by Warren Moon as Houston's number one attraction. Moon would take top billing in a cast that wasn't ready for prime time. You'd characterize it as spinning our wheels a little bit in 84 and 85. 
we were all scrambling, trying to find our way. I'm trying. Can't catch him too. I can't catch him too. It was a team that wasn't very good when I got there, so they were expecting this big turnaround all of a sudden. And when it didn't happen right away, I took a lot of the blame. And sometimes took more of the blame than I probably should have. The first few years in Houston were, were tough. They're, they were they were really tough. I remember someone behind us saying, hey, Warren, throw that ball like you throw a watermelon. And I was like, are you kidding me? I had gone through it when I was 18, 19 years old. But the big difference this time around is that I had a family. My son come into my locker after a game in tears and wondering why people are calling me these certain names. And you have to explain to them about people and about ignorance and about you know prejudice and, and that you're not going to make everybody happy. We were taught to block it out. It was going to happen. You know, let, let it go. Bite your tongue if you have to and just move on. It didn't help when the Oilers fired Hugh Campbell in his second season, costing Moon one of his biggest champions. Privately, I could tell that within him, he was dealing with a whole lot. You know, I didn't know that this was gonna be the life that you and, and our kids were going to have to endure. feel strong, you think strong, and uh, you can stand in the pocket stronger. Just that little quarter, half a second might be all it takes to complete a big play. Warren Moon withstood the hits, both physically and mentally. By 1987, he built up the strength to turn a weak Oilers franchise into a contender. The finishing touches to the team's turnaround were within his fingertips. When he would throw the ball, you would literally hear this sound come off his fingers. Almost ripping the leather on the, uh, the football as it spun. Getting that precise sound required perfect nails. Warren's more particular about his fingernails than a woman. My fingernails had to be the right length for me to throw the football the way I wanted to, the way, the way I felt comfortable. And uh, when my length was right, my ball spun as well as anybody who's ever played the game. Prettiest ball I've ever seen. It was a very tight spiral. I think any receiver probably would second that. If he was playing right now today, he still can throw the best spiral of all time. People like, well, it comes nice and pretty, but it had a sting to it. If you took your eyes off of it, you know, you either get hit in the face or you're gonna have a broke finger or a split finger. Bite with little bark. That was Warren Moon. Come on now, you know I don't need to say much. 
Most of the time, if you see pictures of me, I'm, I'm really, really focused and not a lot of laughing. I was dialed in. We got to get better. Us. We got to execute. That was probably one of the things that, if I look back at my career and say, well, something I try and do a little bit differently, I try and be a little bit more loose playing the game, a little bit, have a little more fun doing it. He may have been quiet and focused, but this was still Daddy Warren, and he had other ways of showing that he was in charge. Number one, number one, uno! You can be soft-spoken and pretend to not to want to bring attention to yourself, but you could have also worn number 12. The number one spoke volumes. I was always geared towards wanting to f either finish number one or be number one as far as the best player that I could be or be the best player in my position in the league. And I wanted that to be a constant reminder to my teammates that they look to their leader is wearing that number. This is what you should strive for as well. He demanded respect. He demanded good play. He wanted us to be just as smart as he was in order for this to work. Let's go out and accomplish our goal. All we need is a win on three. One, two, three, win! win. Yes, With a talented core surrounding Moon, the 1987 Oilers flipped the losing script of recent past. For the Oilers, everything is falling into place. They called it the run-and-shoot offense, and Warren Moon was a precision trigger. I can't stop it. You know that. In 10 seasons as an Oiler, he threw for over 33,000 yards, amassed nearly 200 touchdowns. Numbers surpassed only by Dan Marino during that era. His finest hour would come in 1990 at Kansas City. It was cold and sleet and rainy that day, and they were one of the better defenses in the league at that time. Most people felt like our offense, you know, couldn't perform under those type of conditions, especially against a team that good. We knew because we went one, two, three, touchdown. One, two, three, touchdown, and he gave us that look. It was like, oh, it's, it's on today. It's on today. They bring five. Moon with time. Now throw. Over the middle. Jeffries, he's got it at the 40. Break the tackle midfield. 80, Moon threw for 527 yards, just 27 shy of the NFL record. It was it's remarkable. That was truly his best the best game I ever seen a quarterback play. Praise from a teammate is noteworthy. Hearing it from an offensive pioneer is special. He thought it was one of the best performances he's ever seen. When Sid Gilman says something like that, who's like the godfather of the passing game, that, that's a pretty high compliment, no question about it. I thought they were saying, boo, and so I started to cry. Alicia said, girl, silly, they saying moon. <laughs> so I started laughing, and I was like, yes, finally. The man once shunned by the NFL was now one of its biggest stars. Here we go an international ambassador. The admiration even reached across more hostile borders. 
Watch you stand and do what you do. You keep it up. Thanks, man. You play until you're 50, man. Well, you're throwing that ball. <laughs> I was playing against Warren Moon for the first time as a rookie, and I hit Warren Moon and I knocked him down to the ground. And I looked at him, I said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Moon, I'm sorry. And he looked at me, he said, oh, it's okay, Alfred, it's okay. And I said, oh my God, he knows my name. <laughs> Moon made memorable experiences for plenty. The kid who once endured opera brought Houston's youth to the ballet, among other places. A lot of underprivileged kids could come here to the circus one of the greatest shows on earth. 1989's NFL Man of the Year also embarked on sweeter endeavors. Oiler quarterback Warren Moon has managed to turn his childhood hobby into a thriving business with his Warren Moon chocolate chippery shops that are located all over town. There are a lot of other cookie stores in the, in the city and, and mine have been compared to them and, and we come out pretty favorably. That's me, <laughs> baking cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but look at all those cookies on that tray. There's lots of them. You thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was pretty cool myself. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> you don't like my hat, do you? No. <laughs> Father, athlete, philanthropist, entrepreneur. All impressive titles. But a major one eluded him. He came here with five championships from Canada, and he was supposed to win a championship here. And to be so good and so talented and have such big, gaudy stats every year, and not even to get to a championship game. The worst time that I, that I can remember was, was that, was it, uh, was it 92? <laughs> well, I mean, you know. It was 1992. I believe it was the, the, the Oilers and Bills game. And the Buffalo Bills with a stunning come from behind victory didn't go to school for a week. All the negativity from, from that game that, that we were receiving, um, I mean, it was pretty bad. I wanted to win just as much as he wanted to win, but he didn't know I wanted to win it for him. Right. Not for me, for him. By 1993, Oilers management was ready to move on from their aging leader. They had a young quarterback by the name of Cody Carlson that they had been grooming for the day that maybe I wasn't there anymore. I understood what their thinking was, that here's Warren at 36, 37 years old, how long can he continue to play like this at this salary, and we have this young guy that we feel like is ready to play. Even going to the grocery store and hear, overhearing conversations of, well, Warren Moon needs to go. After a month of some fancy maneuvering by the Vikings, the moon landing in Minnesota became official today. He said, I, you know, I know you think I'm just about done. And he says, I'm not dead. He goes, I'll play. He says, I'll play longer than Cody. Hold it up a little higher on the start mark. A little to the right so I can see the number one. You ready? Action. I switched my favorite color to purple. Color always played an important role in the story of Warren Moon. Under Dennis Green in 1994, he became the first black quarterback to play for a black head coach. But the history that concerned the Vikings was Moon's. That stigma and the collapse against the Bills and all that, that was what he was carrying with him. That, okay, great, you can generate all these numbers and you can be a great quarterback, but you can't win in the big games. In Houston, 
Moon managed a cast of large personalities, but the Viking's top receiver would immediately test his patience. Get to the damn huddle, Chris. You gotta get back to the huddle. Get your rest. Chris was tough on a quarterback. Now, he had never had a quarterback the stature of a Warren Moon. He had been through a litany of quarterbacks. And like all receivers, okay, I gotta work with this guy and I gotta get, get this guy to throw me the ball. And just keep us working, you know? We're in a preseason game and Chris is down the field and Chris goes through one of his histrionic, you know, throwing the arms up and the hands on the hips like, hey, I'm open, how come you're not coming to me? But I see Warren work his way over to Chris. Not angry, not in your face, but just as cold as ice say, if you ever try to embarrass me again like that, I'll bury you in this offense. I, I don't think Warren would have buried me in the offense. I don't think that was quite possible, but he did have a stern talking to me. After that, though, we didn't have an issue because I was pretty consistent, and he was making me so much better. I wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame without him. Chris Carter of the Vikings has set the new NFL single-season receiving record. Things were off to a great start in Minnesota, with the Vikings winning the NFC Central in 1994. But while life was good on the field, a very different picture was developing at home. It was a tough um, transition for our family and our marriage just because we decided because of the ages of our kids we were going to keep them in Houston and let them go to school there. And, and Felicia had a lot put on her shoulders because we had four kids at that time. But it, it took a toll on our relationship. I think there were times where I was, I lost it, he lost it, and you know, there were some difficult moments for us. In the summer of 1995, the moon's marital struggles took an unfortunate turn into the public eye. It was an argument that got really hot and loud and steamy, and my, my maid at that particular time had never heard me raise my voice in the eight years that she had worked for me. And she got nervous, and she called the police because she heard Felicia screaming, and I was screaming, and we were screaming at each other in our bedroom. And so she called the police. Missouri City Police say their dispatcher received a 911 call that Mrs. Moon was being assaulted allegedly by her husband. Once the police come out, whether you want to press charges or not, because there wasn't anything that either one of us were going to press charges about, um, they can still go ahead and prosecute if they want to. The defense said the fight that day was a mutual confrontation, the result of too many pressures on a wealthy family leading a public lifestyle. Warren and Felicia Moon both agree about what happened that day, that there was no assault. She testified her husband did not hit her, only choked her while trying to calm her down. Once we went into trial and everything came out, the jury saw that it was, this is something that should have never even been brought to trial, and within 30 minutes, they said I was not guilty. Jury by the defendant, Harold Warren Moon Jr., not guilty. It's been uh, quite an ordeal. It's taken a, a large toll on our family, and we just like to be able to go back to our lives and try and rebuild our family and rebuild our marriage in the best way we possibly can. Despite lengthy efforts, the Moon's marriage could not recover. We had been together since we were 16 years old. It wasn't that we didn't love each other or like each other anymore. It was just that we just became very different and, and just kind of grew apart. I think Warren and I parted ways with the understanding that we'll always be friends. For me to have a very personal part of my life out there for the world to see, 
It was a tough thing for me because I'm, I'm kind of a private person, even though my, a lot of my life is public. But I also learned that I couldn't continue to keep internalizing a lot of things that were inside of me because it was creating a lot of anger inside of me. And that's when I started to, to seek counseling. And I think the counseling really helped me as far as talking about a lot of the things that I never um, dealt with before and getting those things out there and understanding why they were. Things that I just uh, internalized, you know, when my dad passed away and things that I just didn't deal with and I just kept moving forward and, and not, not dealing with it. I just felt so much more free-flowing as far as my mind being clear going into football games because I had somebody to talk to about a lot of things that I would not bury in, inside of me anymore. He was working to create a sound mind, but his body, long the cornerstone of his nearly two-decade career, started to betray him. With the Vikings, Moon would become the first professional quarterback to throw for over 60,000 yards but he would spend his last days in Minnesota, sidelined with leg injuries. You're not allowed to get hurt when you're older, especially at my age at 41. Oh, he's probably done. I just needed to get healthy, and then I'd show people what I could do. Warren Moon's adopted hometown appreciates a good throw. In 1997, he got his chance to prove he could still play when Seattle reeled him in. The town embraced him as a conquering hero. I think it was their way of saying that I'm sorry for the way I treated you in the past. It's still number one, so All right. I'd like to welcome Warren. Yes, uh, <laughs> right now. <laughs> when I don't, I'm worried. I don't play as good. Moon had plenty of butterflies left. Fires the home run ball to Galloway in the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! The 41-year-old threw 25 touchdown passes, was named to his ninth Pro Bowl, and kept a promise he made in Houston. We're playing in Seattle, and he comes over to me and grabs me and leans over and goes, I told ya. <laughs> I've said I told you so to a lot of people about a lot of different things, but that's all I had to tell him, and he just laughed, and he said, you were right. After two years in Seattle, a regime change saw Moon released again. In 2000, he made it to his fourth decade of professional football as a backup. I had been a starter for 15 years, and I don't really feel like getting up and going to run today. I don't feel like getting up and going to lift weights today. When I knew that was leaving me, then it was time for me not to play anymore. The most important thing was just to get my life in order, reestablish my relationships with my kids because I had spent a lot of time away from them. There's not really much he hasn't seen or done or experienced, so it's cool to have him to go to for anything. Anytime I have issues with guys or really anything, like he's 
Sometimes before my girlfriends, he's the dude that I go to because he'll give me an honest answer. Take a shot. Moon Take also a embarked on a new career, exactly which he approached with a familiar determination and disposition. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go. Let's, let's get this over with now. You guys are acting like picture day. I don't think Warren set out to be a broadcaster. I don't think he set out to be a, a, a color guy. And now he's really, really good. He's one of the best out there. And that's what I talked about this year. We might not throw the ball more times, but we're going to get more explosive plays because of the speed that we have on the outside. Being a Seahawks broadcaster keeps Moon close to the city he's won over and to the players for whom he changed the game. Hey, hey doing, man? I love the work that you put in this offseason, brother. You, brother. It's all paying off for yeah. you right now. Go out there and do it. Yeah, baby. Protect yourself. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> he was the first black quarterback to be great over a long period of time. Well, there's a lot of people think black quarterbacks are not as smart, that we can't carry out game plans, that we'll crack under pressure. And he, he'd say, you know, I'm going to prove that that's not true. And he did. Now, you don't even hear people say quarterback's black anymore. It's no big deal. Before the 2011 draft, a bowl champion who came up through junior college made Moon his advisor. But Cam Newton didn't have to go to Canada. He went first overall. I'm really proud that I was able to play the game at a high level, that guys are getting these chances to be drafted high and be believed in and, and not looked at by the color of their skin. For what he did and what he meant, Moon earned enshrinement into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And in 2006, his first year on the ballot, he had a chance to be the first African-American quarterback voted into Canton. The names of the class of 2006 are as follows, in alphabetical order. Troy Aikman, Harry Carson, John Madden, Warren Moon. I cried. I mean, I broke down and cried. I, um, it just seemed like everything that I had been through from the time I started playing the game just kind of came out of me. I also thought of Joe Gilliam. I thought of, of James Harris. I thought of Marlon Briscoe and reasons why maybe they could have been in that same position if they were given the opportunity. So I'm not a real emotional guy all the time, but I tell you what, it came pouring out of me. We were over the moon, not to be cliche. <laughs> yeah, <that's what> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him that happy yeah, either. Because as like cool and collected as he always was, like we've been talking about, he was ecstatic. Moon was being enshrined, but it was Daddy Warren planning his Hall of Fame weekend. I was probably more stressed than most guys would probably get because I'm such a detail-oriented person. I'm so hands-on with everything that I do that I want everything to be perfect. Warren was responsible for making sure that hundreds of people had hotel reservations, had the right t-shirts, the right lanyards. What's up, Mike? You got my message? I love your voice, man. Everything's good. Don't worry about tonight. Calm down, and, and we're good. We, we can handle ourselves. You just, this is your moment. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my extreme pleasure to present Mr. Warren Moon. Got up and, and gave the speech for Warren and he came over and, and hugged me afterwards. <sighs> and he said, I love you. And 
it's about as good as it gets. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is just be open. To be more open with what's inside of me, to be more open with my feelings, to be more, be more open with my thoughts. Besides my four kids being born, this is the happiest day of my life. Not only did, did he make it to the Hall of Fame, but we made it to the Hall of Fame as well with him. We, we did everything as a family. I don't wanna, I don't wanna get emotional, I'm sorry. You should get emotional. It was, it was, <laughs> Moon added to his family, remarrying and having a son, Riken. And then trying to get him to eat dinner after eating that cookie dough. Gives you a purpose to have a family, somebody that you can take care of, somebody that you're going to nurture, somebody that uh, you're going to be the breadwinner for. Dad, the cookies are ready. All right. Skittle. Skittle. Just being there whenever they need you, for whatever the reason might be. Which one is your favorite looking one so far? Mm, that one. You like that one? Yes. Just being able to be there for them. All right, which one you want? Um, this one. All right. Cheers. As a child, he needed to be the man of the house. Now, Warren Moon is a man in full and living proof that good things come to those who wait. What are you doing? Yum. Yum? Even with the Skittles? Mm -hmm. That is unique. You came up with that one. It's pretty oh. good, huh?